very, very good morning to you. It's great to see you um, this morning, especially if you're visiting or you're here for the first time. It's really, really good to see you. We hope that you are, uh, feel very welcome with us. As Richard has already said, my name is Ben, um, and I'm one of the leaders here. And um, just before we get going with uh, um, that passage in John, let me um, just uh, say a couple of things. First thing is, um, this won't be relevant to all of you, but... Um, we are in, in, in um, here at CCC. We have three aims. We want to love Jesus or love God. We want to love one another, and we want to love the community around us. And every term we focus on a different one of those in our home groups. And this term in home group, we are focusing on loving the community. And we want to most love the community by telling them, sharing with them uh, the good news of, of Jesus Christ. Now, what we're going to do uh, to help us with that. Uh, this half term, uh, is we're going to read a book together. It's this book called Evangelism. And um, this is going to be great for us because it helps us to think. We, so we usually think about evangelism as one person telling another person about Jesus. Now it is that, but we often think about it as a, a very individual thing. What this book helps us to do, it's not a perfect book, it's not the book, but what it helps us to do is it helps us to think about how we do that collectively as a church, how we build a culture of evangelism within the church, how we reach people as a whole church. And I think that's going to be a really, really good thing for us to think about. Now, uh, as you see, there's some copies over there on the table. They are free. Uh, Please take one if you go to a home group. Um, so please don't just take one if you have no intention of going to a, a home group at all. Um, either, if you, if you go to home group regularly, pick one up, one per family, that would be brilliant. Um, if you don't go to a home group, but you'd like a copy of this, pick it up, but don't, don't just then read it by yourself. Commit to a home group, help other people um, to, uh, to talk about this, to, to think about how we're going to reach out as a church. Um, so please do that. Please take one, uh, one per family, um, on your way out, and then um, uh, and then we will be talking about this at home group. Uh, let me just say, if your lives are uh, completely, utterly manic, that you know you will not. These are mostly short chapters, but if you know you're not going to manage to do this, don't worry at all. The home group questions are um, I, I've written those so that you wouldn't necessarily have to have read the chapter to contribute to the discussion. Does that make sense? So the questions are hung off a Bible passage that um, Max Stiles will will use in a chapter or or, or a quote from his or something. And the idea is you can turn up, you can contribute to the discussion without having read the chapter. And you might then think, well, you know, uh, actually, look, oh, that, was, that, that, was really, that was really thought-provoking stuff. I'm going to go away and maybe read this chapter at a later, later date. You might read the chapter before, that's fine. But either way, you should be able to contribute. So that, that's uh, evangelism. Pick one on, up on your way, um, and then please uh, get to home group and, and engage with that. That would be great. Um, just to say, uh, we are, as Rich has already mentioned, we're doing a series called Join to Jesus which is all about the fact that salvation is not something out there, it's not something over here, it's something that's in us. It's something that's, that's personal. And um, we've, we've been doing this for three or four weeks. It's a different series, just to let you know. Okay? So usually we, what we do is we look at a passage of, Bi- of the Bible and we'd walk through that passage verse by verse. Um, we're not doing that with this. We, we are, we're taking a passage to ground the truth in, but then we're hopping around um, uh, to, to see what the Bible says, what the whole Bible says about this topic. And it's great to do that now and again. That's not a normal way of doing things, but um, now and again, it's a really good thing to do. Uh, the other thing to say is, after the sermon, uh, there'll be an opportunity for discussion and questions. Um, you, your sermon handout, you'll see at the back. You might just want to jot something down as we're listening, as you're listening. You might want to think about something that you want to chip in at the end. Uh, that's absolutely fine. Uh, Let's go to John's Gospel, and uh, before we do so, uh, let's pray together and ask again for God's help. Let's pray. Father, we praise you uh, this morning for uh, your son. Uh, we thank you so much um, that as we've sung, he, he took on flesh, he came into this world, 
uh, to die and to rise again and then to send his spirit so that we would know him and know you as our own father. Father, we praise you that this is true. And we pray this morning that as we look at the Bible together, we would see not only that it's true, but that we would trust that it's true and that we would live in light of it. Father, please help the children as they've gone out, uh, as they look at this passage together too. Father, please help them to grasp this truth. Please would they uh, know you for themselves. And we pray for churches um, uh, in Camborne as well, that they would proclaim the gospel faithfully this morning. Pray for churches further afield, that they would be lifting up uh, your name uh, and giving you all the praise this morning. So Father, help us as we come to this now. We pray that you would give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear. And we pray, Father, that you would give us hearts uh, to receive your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Who are you? Who are you? I wonder, you know, when, when, when you meet somebody, perhaps for the first time, and they ask you that kind of question in some way, they ask you who you are, what you then say. Uh, I guess most of us would, uh, you know, the obvious thing to do is to identify yourself uh, by your name. Uh, but then we tend to do something following that, don't we? So you might identify yourself by your job. You might say, I'm a nurse, or I'm a plumber, or I'm an accountant, or I am now retired, but I was a teacher. This is who I am. Or perhaps you identify yourself in relation to others around you. So you might say, well, I am a mum, or I am a husband, or I'm the sister of someone famous, or something like that. Um, Or we can identify ourselves according to our feelings, or our sexual orientation, or perhaps an illness. So you might say, I'm a diabetic, or I'm an alcoholic, or I am depressed. I guess we, we can verbally identify ourselves. We state who we are in a number of different ways. But you see, more than that, day to day, we can think of ourselves uh, according to that identity, can't we? So in our own hearts, uh, we are our job. That's who we are. Or we are our hobby. Or we are our illness. So, for example, take uh, a guy called Ed. I've, just, I've made this guy up. Um, but Ed works in research and development. He's a manager for his department. He has a family. He goes to church. He has this job. All these things are kind of things outside of him, outside of himself. But you see, Ed finds his identity in his work. He thinks of himself primarily as a manager. That's the most important thing to him. That's who he is. But you see, to think of himself that way then shapes him. So Ed usually, uh, he's got young children, he puts his children to bed uh, in the evening. But you see, when he sees his possibility of a promotion at work, he begins to overwork. This is the most important thing. This is who he is. The kids can cope. And so he leaves that part of his life to, to one side because with this promotion lingering, he must prove himself as a manager. That's who he is. Yes, okay, yes, he's a father, but his main identity is in his work. So Ed works really, really hard. He overworks to neglect of everything else. And yet, he's not given the promotion. And you see, because that's where his identity is, at that point, the point that he's told he's just not good enough, his whole world comes crashing down. Apply that kind of scenario to to someone like Sarah. Sarah's a full-time mum. Now, she doesn't just love looking after her kids. She's really good at it. She loves looking after her kids. But that's everything to her. This is who she is. And so, whether it's a good day or a bad day is determined by whether the kids behave 
or whether the kids eat. Whether it's a brilliant day or a disastrous day is determined by how her kids perform in front of those around her. See, her her identity is affirmed by those around her. She's a a great mum. She's a great mum if her her kids are really well behaved when, when everybody else sees it. Or actually, she's just frowned upon if they're really badly behaved. Not because people are actually frowning, but because that's how she feels. That's where her identity is. Above everything else, she's a mum. I wonder uh, who you are. I wonder where you find your identity. I guess, you know, we can so easily look uh, to things um, that we're involved with, things like work or parenting. But, you know, many of us here, uh, when we're asked who we are, we may give a different answer. Yes, we're an employee. Yes, we're married or we're, we're sick. But above all these things, we might say, I'm a Christian. That's who I am. I am a Christian. Now, I I think that's a wonderful thing to say. It's a wonderful place to find your identity. And if we were to kind of unpick that, we we, we would know that that it means all of the things that we've seen over the last few weeks, wouldn't we? So... Uh, I'm a Christian means I've been saved and I can stand before the judgment seat of God in righteousness perfect before him I'm a Christian so my future just as Martha was praying I don't know if you picked up on that I, 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 you know, I'm a Christian so my future is guaranteed nothing can separate us from the love of Christ or I'm a Christian so I'm a useful part of this is what we saw last week so I'm a useful part of the body of Christ the church We've seen all these things, haven't we? And uh, we've seen that they've come to us, they're true for us because we're joined to Jesus. We're in Christ or we're with Christ. That's how the New Testament presents this truth. Every time, broadly speaking, every time you read the words in Christ or with Christ, it means that it's talking about the fact that you're joined to him, united to him. And it means we're a Christian. Those, all those things are true. But what I want us to see this morning is that being a Christian, being joined to Jesus, does result in those things. It does result in salvation in the future. It does result in being part of a church. But it's more personal than that. It's so personal that our identity is not just found in a label, Christian, it's much more personal. What I want us to see this morning is that we are sons. We are daughters. We are children of the living God. If you trust in Jesus, who are you? You're a child of God because you're joined to Jesus, the Son. You're joined to Jesus, the Son. That's the one big truth I, I, I want us to see this morning, um, uh, that we're joined to Jesus, the Son. Now, uh, uh, as before, we'll, 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 we'll look at John, we'll ground this in John chapter 14, but we'll be looking elsewhere, and the, the other text will be on the screen uh, as and when. So, so here's what we see in John 14, that we are joined to Jesus, the Son. We're joined to Jesus, the Son. Here we are, chapter 14, of uh, John's Gospel, and um, uh, I'm sure you noticed, as, as Stephen read, that um, Jesus has announced, um, sorry, in the, in the previous chapters, Jesus has announced he's going away. So after his death and resurrection, he's going to return to his Father in heaven. Um, and, but the disciples, they're not going to be left alone. Okay, so Jesus promises uh, them, this is what you would have noticed in Stephen's reading, he promises them the Holy Spirit. And he says to them, look, on that day, on the day that you receive the Spirit... That is the day that you will be joined to Jesus, knowing that he is the Son of God. You will be joined to Jesus the Son. And we see this truth here in two stages in verse 20. So firstly, on the day that they receive the Holy Spirit, they'll know that Jesus is the Son. Just have a look at verse uh, 20 of chapter 14. Uh, if you don't have your Bible open, please, please open it up in front of you. 
Um, chapter 14, verse 20. On that day, this the day they receive the Holy Spirit, on that day you will realise that I am in my Father. So all along in this series, we've said that we are joined to Jesus. We are in Christ. But what we also see here is that Jesus is joined to God, the Father. Jesus is in him. They are perfectly united as one God. They are made of the same stuff. They're both fully God. They're joined together in perfect union as one God. They always have been. They always will be. And yet they're two different persons. Jesus says he is in his Father. Now what does that make him? It makes him a son. It makes him the son. See, they will know that Jesus is God the Son. And more than that, they will be joined to God the Son. Just look at verse 20 again. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You see, just as Jesus is in his Father, we are in the Son. Just as Jesus is fully God, is joined to his Father, Jesus is fully man, has joined himself to us. That's why he took on flesh. That's that's why he sent the Spirit. So that we could be joined to this Jesus. Not just a man, but the Son of God. Now what does that mean for us? Well, it doesn't mean that we are joined to the Father in the same way that Jesus is. So so we don't suddenly become God or a divine being in such a way that the, the Trinity is added to Instead, through the Son, we now have a genuine connection with the Father. In Christ the Son, we have a relationship with the Father. Just have a look at verse 21. Um, Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. You see, joined to Jesus the Son... We're not loved just by God. We're loved by the Father. As we're joined to the Son, we become children of the Father. That, that's, 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 what, that's what John, this is a big picture of John's Gospel. It's, it, we see it in, in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 12. Just have a look at the screen here. He says, straight off, he says, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of of God. That's how you're loved by the Father, because you're a child. You're joined to Jesus, and so you become a child. You become a son. That is what we are, children of God. And it's really important to see that that happens through being joined to Jesus, because it means that, that, that he doesn't give us that right to become children because we've been good, or because there's anything in us that, 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 that uh, was lovable or worthy. Now, actually, as, as we're joined to the Son, it, it doesn't also mean that, that we're, we're considered like a distant relative, like some that God kind of knows a bit but hasn't seen for kind of ten years or, or is not too bothered with at all. Yet it's not even that we become children through some kind of legal process. If that were the case, the Bible would talk about us being sons-in-law and daughters in law, but no, because God's own Son, who had, he had always, always delighted in, his very own Son, because of who he is, because he's in us and we are in him, because we're joined to God's own Son, we have all that he has. We gain his very person. see we gain his identity we gain his sonship and so we come into the family of God as his very own children 
And so you see, in Christ, you can just walk into the presence of God. You can just walk into the presence of God and, and not only stand rightly before him as we saw a few weeks ago, but you walk into his presence and you have the most intimate relationship with him that is possible. You are as close to God as you possibly can be because you're a son. I, I, I'm not sure that, that, that you can ever really grasp that truth, but look, here's, a, here's a really helpful picture. Here you have uh, President Kennedy, to say the most powerful man in the US at the time, and here is his son. And they're in the Oval Office at the White House, and what is his son doing? He's playing under his desk. You see, the point is, only a son can do that. No ordinary person can just walk off the street and into the White House and do what the boy is doing here, except his own son. And that's the kind of relationship we have with the Father. You know, we are free to enjoy his presence. You can watch him at work. You can listen to him. And you can speak to him whenever you like about anything you like because he's your father. And you can know that he loves you even as his own son. It's because in him we're his children. That is who we are. Now that makes such a difference, doesn't it? You know, when you think about it. Because you see, if that is who I am, if I am a son of God, then it doesn't matter if I don't get that promotion at work. Because I know that my Father in heaven loves me and will look after me and do the best thing for me. If I am a son, I don't need to prove myself to anyone because my Father in heaven loves me and delights in me all of the time as his son. Do you see, as a child of God, my career, my family, my health, my circumstances do not determine whether it's a good day or a bad day. Every day, I'm, I'm deeply and unconditionally loved as a child of God. That's who I am. And if that's who I am, every day is simply an amazing day, whether I feel like it or not. I've got a reason to rejoice. I've got a reason to, to delight in, in the fact that I have a Father in heaven who loves me, who loves us. Here's the thing, though. Because that comes through being joined to Jesus... It doesn't just give us a status to enjoy. So it's not just something that, that grounds us in everyday life. Actually, it dictates the whole of our life. That's who I am. It sets a pattern for my life. Because as I'm joined to Jesus the Son, it means I, I, I share in, I, I take part in the events of the life of Jesus. Now it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean I suddenly become him. It doesn't mean that every detail of his life becomes mine. We know that, don't we? We're not him. But rather, as children, our lives will follow the pattern of his. You see, if we're joined to the Son, then we live like the Son. Now, what does that look like? Well, there's, there's, there's three things, um, there's three things that, that we can, can see um, as we close. Firstly, it means a life of obedience. A life of obedience. So Jesus lived as an obedient son. He's not like my son. He's not, he's not like um, you know, a normal son. Uh, or not like me as a son who would kind of wander off and need correction and rebuke and all kinds of stuff all the time. No, Jesus perfectly and completely obeyed his father with great joy. 
And God sees us as if we do the same. So we're perfect in his sight. We are perfect children. But you see what that means? We should then be who we are. We should strive to obey our Father because he sees us as a perfect son. Now, if, in one sense, of course, that, that means that we, we just need to remember who we are. So if we're children of God, then we do what our Father says. Just have a look at verse uh, 21 again of, of chapter 14. Um, uh, yeah, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, who, the one who is in Jesus. Um, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. So, do you see, if we love Jesus, we, if we're in Jesus as sons, we, we keep his commands. We keep the commands of the Father. Our obedience shows that we're in the Son. You know, so we're not, we're, not, we're not striving to earn the Father's love. We're striving to obey him because we have the Father's love. And that is never a burdensome thing. It's always the best thing for us. It's a joy and a privilege to obey God as your Father. And actually, it's true freedom to do that because that is exactly what you were made for. So in one sense, when you get up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, you will find joy and freedom in remembering that you're a child of God. You know, remember that you're not first and foremost a nurse. You're not first and foremost a teacher. You're not first and foremost an, a parent. You're not first and foremost an angry person. And you're not first and foremost an addict. You're a child. Remember that and then be a child. And you'll find that so liberating. And the irony of it is that, that as you do that, you become much better at all those other things. You become a better nurse or parent. You become a better teacher, whatever it is. Because being children is exactly what you were meant for, made for. Now, yes, that's something we need to strive to do, but actually there's an inevitability about it because you're joined to Jesus. So uh, here in chapter 15 in John's Gospel, uh, what happens is Jesus changes the picture slightly. He's still talking about the same thing. He's still talking about being joined to Jesus. But, but we have it in the picture of a vine and branches. And what it says here is that actually our obedience is inevitable when that, when that happens to us. Just have a look at chapter 15 and verse 1. Chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You see, I take that to mean that he disciplines his children. He, he keeps correcting them and turning them back so that they live for God and they bear fruit for God. And this happens as we remain in the Son, as we live our lives in Him, joined to Him. You know, we strive to live a life not, not, not of perfect obedience, but of progressive obedience. He will ensure that we grow. Now, that may be painful at times, that's the picture, isn't it, that, that He will prune you and, and that means that sometimes um, that will mean suffering. And this is the second thing we see, second implication of being a son, that we not only live a life of obedience, we live a life of suffering. A life of suffering. Jesus was obedient to his death. See, his obedience as a son meant that he suffered, not just on the cross, but actually if you think about it, if you think about the fact that he left his glory, he left heaven to come to earth, the whole of his life was an experience of suffering. Now that's largely because the world didn't recognise him, so as he came and he shows people what they're supposed to be like, the people realise just how wicked they really are, and so they hated him. And if we're children of God, do you see, if we're living obedient lives, the same will be true of us. Let's have a look at chapter 15 and verse 18 of John's Gospel. Verse 18, Jesus says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. 
If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Uh, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. You see, as children of God, yes, we're loved by the Father, but we're hated by the world. In a very real way, being joined to Jesus means we, we share in his suffering. That's inevitable. But of course, it's part of a much, much bigger picture. Not, not, not just in persecution, but in all things, those things happen to us as part of our pruning. So, Romans 8.29, what's the purpose of suffering? It's to make us more like his son. And you see, if God's ultimate purpose, if, if that is what God is doing, do you see, suffering is a gift. It's a gift that helps us to see who we really are and to be who we really are. God works in all things in order to make you more like his son. John Calvin, he, he, he wrote about this. Um, so John Calvin, if you don't know, he was a pastor in a, in a place called Geneva. And he was a guy who preached the gospel, who stood for the gospel, who lived as a son of God. And as a result, people hated him. His life was threatened and he was sent away from Geneva. He was, he was expelled from that place in what looked like an utter failure of his ministry. And at that time, here's what he said. He said, for the children of God, events like this are not so difficult. Rather than asking the question, why? It causes us to ask the question, for what reason? Yeah, how is it that God is working in me here to make me more like a son? To give me greater joy? And as we go through that, as we go through that kind of suffering, we not only do so with a greater purpose in mind, but we, we do so with hope. This is the third thing, third final thing we see this morning. Being a, a son or being a child of God means a life of hope. A life of hope. You see, whilst Jesus was obedient, even to the point of death on the cross, he knew that there was glory to come. So that he knew that God would raise him and enthrone him. And if we're joined to Jesus, we know that we will share in that glory beyond this suffering. Just have a look at this, uh, this great verse in Romans 8, uh, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed uh, we, are in his, we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. That's the pattern of this life. It's suffering. We're sharing Jesus' suffering. We're sharing the Son's suffering, but we share in the Son's glory. We share in his glory to come. And so you see, we suffer now with hope. No matter how bad things are, we will one day be raised with Christ. We will be seated with Christ at the right hand of his Father and our Father we will walk into the presence of God as his children. One day that will be a reality for us and it will be a glory that we will enjoy forever and ever and ever as children of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you not only show us uh, who your son is, Thank you that you show us that he is your son.
But much more than that, you, you unite us to him. You, by your spirit, you, you join us to him so that we may not only find our identity in him, but we share in his life. Father, thank you for that great privilege. Thank you for that great news and that great privilege. We pray, Father, that we would be obedient children. We pray, Father, that we would be children who know and rejoice in sharing in his suffering. And Father, pray that we would be children who do that looking forward to a glorious and certain hope. Father, praise you that all these things are ours through your Son. Amen. Great, so uh, what we do now is um, we have a couple of minutes uh, to um, uh, discuss, just to talk about what you've heard on your tables. Just to say, if you're uncomfortable with that, uh, feel free just just stare out the window at the lovely grey sky and the wind blowing in the trees. Um, and um, but look, you know it's great to talk about these things. Maybe uh, discuss them together. And then in a couple of minutes, you have an opportunity to um, to ask a question or to throw in a comment, um, uh, that kind of thing, uh, to, to based on what we've heard. So let's just have a couple of minutes. Um, um,
things. Um, um, for, let me say four things. Um, <laughs> but one is that, it, um, um, yeah, that's really yeah, difficult. difficult. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, I think. I think. And, I, and I, I, I don't think you're the only one here that has that experience. So I, I know that I, I do. I have that experience. So I remember, you know, I remember recently doing the washing up, having been, you know, had some suffering come to life. Think, why? Why? What is this? You know, rather than thinking, how is it happening more like a song? So the first thing I say is that I think you're not alone in that at all. Um, the second thing is, um, I think it takes time for these things to sink down. I think that often happens without us realising. Um, so often, um, you know, God will work in us um, in such ways that we, we are living like children of God without actually realising it. Um, and of course, the great irony of Christian life is that the, 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 the more godly you are, the less godly you think you are, the more you see your own sin. Um, and so there's a, there's a, you know, don't be worried if you feel like you don't live like this um, uh, in, in such a way that you're, you're trying to, but you don't feel like you're succeeding. I think actually that's just, that's normal. And you're probably, you know, God is working in you through that. Um, I think the, the other two things I'd say is, in terms of how can we actively do something that's kind of practical, do you know what, as a result of this sermon, I, I, the first thing I've told myself when I got up in the morning is that I'm the son of God, and that's been enormously helpful, um, because usually I get up in the morning thinking I've got a hundred things to do, my kids are going crazy, and I'm tired, and um, you know, that's who I am, I'm tired, <laughs> but uh, actually, you know, I... I as a result of writing this, I, yesterday, this morning, I got up and, and, and just told myself that, you know, in my own head, I'm a son of God, and that ought to shape everything that I do. Um, and I think, tell yourself that throughout the day, you know, preach that to yourself, that you're a son, in every situation, that you're a daughter, that you're, that you're a child, and it, it will make a difference. And rejoice in that, you know, think about how amazing, just dwell on how amazing that is, to be a child of God. You're not just right with him, but you're, you're a child. Sorry, I'm redoing my sermon here, aren't I? Um, I'm sorry, but tell yourself that. That's, that's, the, that's the point. D- tell yourself that you're a child of God. Uh, and then um, I think the, 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 the third thing is, um, sorry, the fourth thing is, um, tell one another. You know, we're here, as a, we're here as a church. We're here as a community. This is true for all of us who trust in Christ. And remind one another of that. And, and actually... Treat one another as that, you know. So, I I ought to be telling myself, you know, um, that my my wife is a is a daughter of God, and I ought to treat her that way, and I ought to tell her that, um, and remind her of the gospel, you know. Um, so don't don't just keep it to yourself and preach it to yourself, but to tell other people, um, and it, it will remind them, and it will remind you at the same time. Thanks, that's a great question, really great question. Is that, so is that helpful? Do you want to come back at that? No? Okay. Um, any, other, any other thoughts or comments? John? Hang, hang on a minute, mate. Oh. Go for it. Uh, right at the start uh, of our passage, it, it also, well, and the, the side heading says that Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that he will, it says it, he'll help you. So, I guess part of the thing as well is that we're yeah. not on our own and we can remind ourselves of it, but also we've got God reminding us of it as well in us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he will point us to Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. For that. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, that's really helpful. The Spirit is in you, helping you. Yeah. Great. Thank you for that. Um, okay. Any other comments or questions? Jimmy, go for it. I thought I'd put Tim through his faces. Um, just a, a couple, uh, a two-part question, really, on suffering. Mm. So when these words were written, um, there was suffering, which was a direct consequence of being a Christian. Mm. You would get beaten, you get thrown in jail, and the like. Um, but that doesn't happen these days. So 
in terms of modern day, how do you define suffering, mm. which is something that would happen because you're a Christian, which wouldn't happen if you weren't a Christian? And secondly, um, we say that suffering is inev inevitable. Does it mean that because you're a Christian, you have to suffer, and if you're not suffering, you're not being a Christian? Yeah, that's a really helpful question. Thanks, Thanks Jimmy. So the first one, you're saying, um, what does persecution look like today, basically? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. So you're right in that, look, we're not, at the moment, and I, I, you know, I, think, um, I think this is really important to say, at this present time, at this day, I'm not going to be thrown in prison. I think that we may see that in my lifetime. I, I think that may happen. And it, it, in my mind, I'm kind of, um, um, I'm trying to make myself aware of that, that there may be a day where actually um, church leaders and church members are sent to prison for what they believe. I, I, I think if you look at culture, it's going that way. And we, we ought to be preparing ourselves for that. Um, so it, persecution may look like... Um, how it did then at some point I think in our lifetime I think that's, that's, a, that's a real possibility I think what's interesting is um, even back then so if you were to read for example through 1 Peter what you'll find is the persecution that Christians suffered then was, was not so much um, being crucified but and this, this was you know th this was shortly after um, or sometime after it, but it's actually more verbal abuse um, more just uh, hatred um, uh, that comes out in certain ways. So, you know, so Richard shared about this person at work who publicly humiliates him. Now, that may well just be because of his faith. You know, uh, I, I, like, I'm sure that's happened to, to, to many of us, that if people know we're a Christian, they will set to, they will, they will look for ways in, in which to, to trample us. Um, and that can be... Uh, you know, not, not so much physical abuse or, um, or an active, you know, trying to kill you. It's actually just a verbal putting down. And I think that's very common right now. I, I think that's, that's, um, that's how you'll be persecuted. It's worth saying, if you, if you never experience that, it's just worth asking yourself the question, am I distinctive enough? Like, do, do, I, do, I put, do I put myself out there? Do I talk about Jesus? Um, yeah, um, because that, that is a natural response. That's the response we should expect. Um, does that answer that question, Jimmy? Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the other one, suffering is inevitable. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's, there's lots to that. It's always a different sermon. So in one sense, suffering is inevitable as part of this fallen world. So we're in this fallen world death has entered the world um, at one point or other, even if we have a really easy life, at one point we will face death. Yeah, we will suffer in some way. That, that's inevitable for us. I, I think the, um, the inevitability from a Christian point of view is that God will use that at times, not always, but at times, to make you more like his son. He works in all things, uh, ultimately, to conform you to the image of his son. And so um, I think it, it, suffering is inevitable for all people, but you're, you're coming at it at a different angle as a Christian. And it, you know that that that's, that's, has its purpose in, in a way that you just wouldn't as a non-Christian. Uh, does, does that help? Um, yeah, great. Does anybody want to come back on that or, or ask something different? No? Great, okay. Well, look, I'll tell you what. Um, let's sing again, um, and so what we're going to do is uh, we'll sing this song here, uh, which is, um, yeah. I think we've reached, have we got a different PowerPoint there, Richard? Is it, is it a different, ah, okay, sorry, excuse us for one second. Um, we're going to sing a song which is all about the, the, the truth that we've just, um, we've just seen, that, that we are sons and, and daughters of, good, uh, of God, um, and just rejoicing in how good God is to make us just that. So let's stand and sing at Fountain of Goodness. Um.
planted. Um, there's loads of food, so please feel free to stay. Um, if, even if you didn't bring anything or you weren't prepared for that, it's not a problem. Just, just please feel free to stay. Um, secondly, if you are new here and you want to know a bit more or you want to receive a kind of a weekly email that we sent out, uh, we send out, please do fill in one of these. These are on your tables. Just pop it in the, uh, the box uh, over there that says contact cards and somebody will be in touch with you tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, lastly, um, uh, sorry, two, two, two things to finish with. Do pick up one of these if, if you're going to um, uh, a home group, commit to a home group, pick one of these, one per family, uh, that's completely free for you. Uh, and lastly, uh, we have a next um, Sunday, we have our, our uh, second Walk with Jesus. Now, if you don't know what Walk with Jesus is, it's, um, it is basically a, a walk that a group of people go on uh, with the intention of talking about Jesus. It's something that you can invite your non-Christian friends to, but it's something that's great to get along to yourself as well. Now that'll be setting off from the tennis courts in Great Camborne at two o'clock, is that right? Three o'clock, sorry Richard, three o'clock next Sunday. Again, the, the details will be emailed to you. Please do go along if you'd like to do that. And afterwards, Richard and Sandra are having cake and coffee at the house. Don't just turn up for the coffee and cake at Richard and Sandra's. You have to go on the walk first, uh, but then uh, come along afterwards, have a chat about Jesus. That would be great. Um, so, uh, yes, let's pray together as we close. Let's pray. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Father, we praise you for what you've done. We praise you for who you are. We praise you, Father, that in you we know you as our own Father. Father, we thank you so much uh, for that awesome privilege. And as we go from here, we pray that we'd be amazed at the depth of the riches of your wisdom, that we'd be amazed at how unsearchable your judgments. And each and every day we would tell ourselves this truth, knowing you more and giving you all the glory forever. Amen.